The following message is from Pahuska's First Baptist Church. Our prayer is that the Lord Jesus richly blesses you and uses this message to speak truth to your life. Good morning, and it is great to be able to be back in God's Word with you. And uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I am missing everyone and, and totally ready uh, just to just to see your faces. I've enjoyed uh, glimpses I've got to get of many of you guys driving by and waving and and uh, are seeing you at a distance. Um, and, and so uh, I, I miss uh, our fellowship together, but I am very grateful that we are able to gather and be united in the Word and still continue to have fellowship of spirit uh, in that way and, and just jumping in God's Word together. Uh, I do want to say thank you to Pastor Caleb last week uh, for the message. I, I love uh, how we began the series that, that we're doing on on the church and what the church looked like after the resurrection. And, and uh, you know, last week, Pastor Caleb looked at how the church was never the same, uh, that, that, that Jesus followers were never the same. He, he did a great job pointing out uh, that, that Christ followers, that, that is the church, uh, have a new devotion to God's word, that, that they were in awe of the power of God among them. They had this commonality that, that brought about unity, that their love and their generosity had a profound impact and, and that their display of the gospel verbally and in action brought people to a saving faith in Jesus. And, and, and this week, I just want to continue to build off of that. I just want to continue to further that conversation, to continue to look at God's word in the example of, of Jesus' followers and really an example that Jesus himself gives us. Last week, Pastor Caleb uh talked with you guys from God's Word about and preached to you guys how the church was never the same. This week, I want to look at the church should never be the same. The church should never be the same. Um, you know, when you look at the early church there in Acts, they they were different. They stood out as a shining beacon because of the impact of Jesus Christ in their lives. And, and church, I believe the same is true for us right here today. Our culture, in our culture, the church should never be the same as any other religious institution. The church should always be a shining beacon of hope for the gospel of Jesus Christ in our community. The church should always be unified. In fact, last week, Pastor Kelly preached out of Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says that all who believed were together and had all things in common. And I want you to know that this wasn't something that was set up and established just off of, off of the whim in Acts chapter 2. This is something that Jesus had been designing. This is something that Jesus had himself been praying for and seeking for his followers. And I want to look at that this morning with you. So I want to invite you to open your copy of God's Word to John chapter 17. And uh, again, I, I hope that you're excited to be in God's Word. I hope wherever you're at, just the Spirit wells up and you just give it a nice little woo, you know, or praise God or, or whatever it is as we get into God's Word, that excitement, that enthusiasm. As we look at John chapter 17, and uh, we're going to look at verse 6 through verse 26. And so let me read that for us, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and we'll just jump in and chew on it and break it down. John chapter 17, verse 6. This is what the word of our Lord says. And this is as he is praying 
right before uh, he is going to be handed over to be crucified, he's going to be betrayed. This is his prayer for his followers, and that includes you and me. John 17, verse 6. Our Lord says, I have manifested your name to the people. He's praying to the Father. He's praying to God. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and you are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, uh, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from evil. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And so for their sake, I have consecrated myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. And, and this is where Jesus continues his prayer. And he prays not only for the followers that, that he's got immediately, but those who are impacted by their message, which if you trace it down through history is you and I. So I want you to know before we read this part, Jesus specifically prayed for you and the impact that the gospel is going to have in your life. And this is what he says. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so the world may know that you sent me and loved me, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these uh, know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Uh, now, listen, that is a lot to, to read. There's a lot there to unpack. So let's have a word of prayer, and then let's just dig in together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this incredible passage. Thank you for this incredible expression of the heart of Jesus. As, as he is aligned with you, Jesus, just as, as he is with you, you are with him, Father, the same that he is praying for a unity amongst ourselves, a commonality amongst ourselves. And Lord, as we look at your word, may you speak to the direct heart of who we are this morning. May your word pierce deeply 
And Father, may we be convicted to be more like you through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, speak to us this morning. And Father, may we conform to the image of your Son, just as you have called us to do, those of us who are in Christ. Father, I also pray this morning that there's one here who does not know you, who is listening to this message, that, Father, they will clearly hear the heart of Jesus and the love of Jesus. And, Father, they would seek to give their life to you, to be unified with you, just as you have called us to be unified with you. Father, in all this, may you be glorified and be lifted up in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as we dig into God's Word here, I want to just highlight some things throughout this text, and we're just going to walk through it. And and as Christ um, is showing himself and and, and his his heart and his passion as he's praying to the Father, um, and and I love that obviously he's praying this within earshot of the disciples because they were able to hear it and record it and write it down. I, I just imagine what an incredible impact that must have been for the disciples who are overhearing their Lord and Master pray this to the Father. But, but as, as he is praying this, there's, a, there's three things that I, I want to highlight this morning. There's a lot more in the text, but being a good Baptist, I just want to point out three. And, and this, is, this is the first thing. It is In this text, as we look at how the church should never be the same, we need to identify who the church is. The Number one this morning, the identity of true Jesus followers, the identity of the people that Jesus is talking about here in the text. And the text highlights for us who that is. And so when we look at the identity of Jesus' followers, we see that they are those who obey the Word of God. Look at verse 6. He says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you've given me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. As Jesus is, is describing the, that who his followers are, when he says, kept your word, that doesn't not, it doesn't mean that they wrote it down in a notebook and have held on to it all this time. It doesn't mean that they've taken their Bibles and say, this is mine, I'm going to keep it. When it says they've kept your word, that is a euphemism to mean that, that they have obeyed the word of God, that, that they have been one who, who has kept the word of God. They've obeyed the word of God. They haven't just been hearers. They've been doers. They have applied the word of God in their life. Listen, a person is not a part of the church if they simply know the Word of God. They are part of the church if they are obedient to the Word of God. A person is not a Jesus follower if they simply have head knowledge. It must filter down to their hearts to where they are obedient. It becomes part of who they are. In Christ, a person is transformed. And listen, that person is transformed because They've heard Jesus. They've responded to Jesus. They're obedient to Jesus, not just for the call of salvation, but for the call of sanctification, for the call of growing and maturing in the faith. The church should never be the same because their identity is found in Christ and being obedient to his word. When Christ is in a person, he is transformational. God is too big to be contained by your life. When Jesus is in you, he stretches you and he makes your life take on his shape. He makes your life conform to him. Friend, let me tell you this morning, 
that, that, that Jesus didn't come to give you goosebumps and make you all touchy-feely and to be your cheerleader who makes you feel good about your life. He came to be your Lord, to make you righteous, to make you holy. And, and friend, let me tell you, when you're in Christ and he is conforming you to his image, when you're becoming righteous, when you're becoming holy, it feels good. And, and I want you to know, Jesus didn't come just to cheer you on where you're at. He loves you too much. He called you to be obedient to him and to draw you into a new life with him. And let me tell you, there is nothing like that in this world because Christ is not of the world as we saw in this text. So, so one of the first identities of a Jesus follower is they are a person who obeys the word of God. And as we continue to read out of obedience to God, we see that they are one who glorifies and exalts Jesus. Look at verse 10. He says, all mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. He is glorified in those who follow him. Um, when we look at this word glorified, it means to give praise, to give the highest honor, to give the highest regard, to give an elevated distinction. And friend, let me tell you, you cannot be the same when Jesus is elevated in your life. And when the church comes together and it is a group of people who are elevating Christ together, the church should never be the same. The church should never be the same as the world. The church should never be the same as a tradition or a religion. The church should be something all completely together transcendent because it is being uh, changed by Christ. It is glorifying and elevating and exalting Christ. You can't be the same when you are obeying Jesus and giving him the highest honor. Because here's, here's the truth and the reality, friends. When Jesus is receiving the highest honor in you, when Jesus is receiving the highest honor in other Jesus followers who are coming together with you, there is no place for me to be on top. There is no place for me to be the one in the place of honor. That all belongs to him. And what that means for me is I am giving myself a lower position. I am giving myself a completely different place because Jesus is receiving the highest honor. And so when we look at just the very identity of Jesus' followers in this text, we see that they are those who obey the word of God and they are those who glorify and exalt Christ. And when Christ's followers come together with that mindset and that mentality, there is no way that the church should ever be the same. Because as they're taking on that, that identity, as they're, they're growing and becoming obedient to Christ individually and together, we, we see that number two this morning, it creates an entirely new initiative in a Jesus follower. Number two, the initiative of a Jesus follower is different. The initiative of a Jesus follower is, is something that is altogether different and it should never be the same for the church. This text highlights a few different areas where that takes place. Um, the initiative of a Jesus follower is to be united in the mission of God. Look at, look at verse 11 with me. It says, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I am coming to you, Father, Keep them by your name. Keep them by your name. Now, when we just initially read that, we may go, okay, I don't know what that means. Keep them by your name. 
Well, well, one, just as keeping the word is being obedient to the word, when we look at this, this idea in the original text, we need to understand something about the nature of what Jesus says by your name. It is not simply just a name as in Justin or Caleb or, or, or Josh or Charlie or, or, or David or, or uh, Richard or any. It's not just a name. When you see in the Bible, especially within this context where it says your name, it is a personal connection. It is a personal identity. There are a ton of people named Justin, but when you're looking me in the, in the eyes and you say Justin, it has a totally different context. It has a totally different meaning. It's personal. There's a personal connection. And friend, when Jesus here says, keep them in your name, he is talking about the very person and the purpose of God himself. All throughout Scripture, we, we, and even through this passage, we see how Jesus is talking about, you've given me your name, I am giving them your name. He's talking about, Lord, you have placed your personal connection upon me, your personal mission. I am passing that personal connection and that mission onto them. Think about even through the Old Testament. You remember when Moses was being sent into Israel? Do you remember what, what his question to God was? I mean, there was a lot of questions. Lord, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> but, but the main thing he said, Lord, as I go, who should I say sent me? What name should I give them? And Jesus says, tell them I am. He was revealing to them a personal connection, a personal purpose. And, and listen, when you and I have the initiative of Christ in us as Jesus followers, we are united in the mission of God. To be one just as Jesus and God the Father are one means that we are aligning in our purpose and in our mission. And, and, and listen, the, the mission and the purpose that we are aligning ourselves with is not just any purpose. It is not just any mission. It is the mission and the purpose of the person of God. And, and when Jesus asked for, them, for, for us to be kept by, by that name, that means it is a word to communicate protection. He's saying, God, Father, I pray that as, as I have given these to you, as you have given them to me, that, Lord, you keep them in your name. You protect them in your mission and in your purpose. Don't let them get sidetracked off of anything else but who you are and what your mission and what your purpose is. It is a unity that denies any of my own prerogative and completely unifies with the mission and purpose of God himself. The initiative of Jesus' followers to be united in the mission of God. But, but friend, let me tell you, Jesus takes it even a step further because the initiative of a Jesus follower is to be united under God's sovereign will. Look at verse 13. He says, but now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. Now, now don't miss what, what Jesus is saying here when he says that my joy may be fulfilled in them. What is the joy of Christ? It is to align not only with the mission and the purpose of the Father, but with the sovereign will of the Father. The joy of Christ was to be in God and for God to be in Him, to carry out His will, His way. You, you know, Satan, when, when Jesus first started his earthly ministry, began to try to tempt Jesus. 
And he took him and he said, uh, you know, uh, if, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you this. Or if you'll test God in this way, I'll give you this and all, and all these other things. And you remember what Jesus told him? And in all of the things, he kept pointing back to God the Father himself. In all the different ways, he said, listen, no one, no one should test God. No one should, should worship or, or bow down to anybody but God himself. He alone is Lord. And friend, let me tell you, when Jesus is Lord, it is not just in mission and purpose, but it is in the way that that mission and that purpose is carried out. It is the sovereignty of God and his will. We don't just agree as Christ followers on the mission, but we agree on how the mission is carried out God's way. And listen, if there is anything that has gotten the church in trouble, it is people who have had good intentions of doing the will of God, but have argued and bickered about how that was going to happen, what that was going to look like. And friends, let me tell you, that is Satan coming in and disrupting and totally getting past our guard to begin crippling us as a church. And we cannot go that route. We must be unified not only in the mission, but we must be unified in how that mission is carried out. And God lays that out for us. That was the joy of Christ. That's what he was praying when he says, may my joy be complete in them. May my joy be fulfilled in them. Father, just as I have done this your way, may, Father, they do it your way. Remember, even Jesus, right after this, as he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before his betrayal, he's saying, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But if there's not, may it happen as you have willed. And friend, let me tell you this morning, that must be our approach to everything. As we are unified in Christ together, we will have our own ideas. We will have our own influences. We will have the different things that have shaped our minds. But at the end of the day, we must put all of that aside and be unified in coming together under the Lord's will and doing things His way. As you continue to look at the initiative of Jesus' follower, not only do you see that they united in the mission of God, not only are they united under the God, God's sovereign will, but we see that they are united in their transformation. That is how we are able to, to know what the will of God is. Remember Romans chapter 12. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may then know the good and pleasing, perfect will of God. Jesus says it this way in verse 16. He, he says here, as, he, as he's writing this out, he says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Isn't it amazing that, that, that Paul writes in Romans 12, do not be conformed to the powers of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here Jesus is saying, listen, my followers are transformed. They are not of this world. And in fact, he, he continues and he says, not only they're, they're not of this world because they've been sanctified. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We are not marked by this world. We do not operate the same as the world operates. That is one of the things that distinguishes the church. It's one of the reasons why the church should never be the same, especially the same as the world around them, because we don't operate the same. The church is not a country club. It is the body of Christ. It is something completely and utterly, totally different 
And, and friend, if you and I will be united in Christ and get out of our own way, we will be able to see an incredible work of God because we are united in the fact that we are transformed. We are united in the process of sanctification. Jesus, Jesus says here, sanctify them in truth. And then he tells us what that means. He says, your word is truth. As we are being sanctified by the word of God. Now that word sanctified, that's a churchy word. I mean, we get it. It's Christianese. What does it mean? Essentially, it just means we are being set apart. We are being made different. We are being set apart for something holy, something righteous, something that is of God. And, and friend, I want you to know that the initiative of a Jesus follower is to be united in our transformation, in our sanctification. And then one last thing that Jesus highlights and points out, one of the things that makes the church different, why the church should never be the same, is because the initiative of a Jesus follower is to be united in Christ's atonement. Look at verse 19. He says, And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus is saying, I, I set myself aside as, as the atonement for them, so that they may be sanctified, that they may be transformed, that they may be set aside for a holy purpose. It is simply and only the blood of Jesus Christ and his consecration of being set aside as a sacrificial lamb that makes any of this possible. I want you to understand that we are unified in Christ's atonement. We have no merit to stand on our own. We should always look to the heart and the passion of Christ and seek to follow Him. There is none of us who will ever earn a greater degree of standing before God. There is none of us who through our own merit will be elevated because our entire goal is to elevate Christ, not ourselves. Listen, I want you to know, you can never give enough money to earn the right to do things your way in the church. You can never invest enough time to earn the right to have things your way in the church. You can never be talented enough to think that the church revolves around you. We stand united not in what we give, but in what we receive through the atonement of Jesus Christ. It is completely and utterly in Christ that we stand. I love the example that Chip Ingram gives in a study called Your Divine Design. And he says, you know, when you look at the church, everybody who's in the church is part of God's workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that. We are part of God's masterpiece. And he gives us an incredible example. He says it's like a paintbrush. When an artist is working on a masterpiece, he uses different brushes for different things and gives different strokes to accomplish different tasks. But at the end of the day, it's not the brush that makes the masterpiece. It's the master that makes the masterpiece. It's the artist that makes the masterpiece. You and I, because what God has given us, what God has called us to, if we unite in the atonement of Christ, it doesn't matter whether he uses us as a tiny brush for fine details or, or, or a slanted angled brush to get certain effects within his masterpiece. It doesn't matter if, if some of us may be used as a roller or a sprayer. It does not matter because we are united under the atonement of Christ. There is nothing of myself that is worth anything other than Christ in me. And so therefore I glorify him and it's all for his glory. It doesn't matter how I'm used. It just matters that I'm used. And friend, I, I want you to know 
that, that we are united. The initiative of a Jesus follower is to be united in the mission of God, to be united under the sovereign will of God, to be united in the transformation that comes from God, and to be united in Christ's atonement and nothing else than Christ and his atonement. No merit of our own. And as we look at this text, we see that there is the identity of the Jesus follower, one who obeys the word of God and glorifies and exalts Christ. There's the initiative of the Jesus follower that we just talked about. And the last thing I want to visit with you this morning on and highlight from the text is that there is an influence of a Jesus follower. The reason the church should never be the same is because of the influence that comes from being united in obedience to Christ. I want us to look back at verse 14. When you look at verse 14 through 16, one of the influences that we see is, is written here, and this is what it says. I have given them your word that the world, or and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that they be taken out of the world, but that you keep them from evil. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Friend, let me tell you, part of the influence of, of being a unified church is that it will turn the heads of the world. The world will take notice that we are not like them. And it's not because we are better than them. It's because we have been saved and redeemed and sanctified by Jesus Christ. It's because Christ himself is different from the world. He is not in the world just as we are not in the world. You've probably heard the saying, be in the world but not of the world. That's what a Jesus follower does. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We do not operate the same as the world. We do not operate as, as one who is in rebellion to God because we were once there, but we are now transformed. We are now redeemed. The influence of, the world, of Jesus followers is that a united church turns the heads of the world. And friend, let me tell you, when genuine Christ followers obey the word of God, when they glorify and exalt Jesus, when they are united in the mission of God, the sovereignty of God, the transforming work of God, and the soul atonement of God, it will catch the attention of the world. And when the church and the world collides, it will bring out the best of Christ in us, but it will also bring out the worst of the world in others. I want you to understand that, 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 that Jesus himself even, even acknowledges this when he's praying for us, that, that when the church and the world collides, when those who represent Christ and those who represent lostness collides, there will be a crisis that happens, and it will bring out the best of, the, of Christ in us, and it will bring out the worst of the world in others. There will be an established battleground, and spiritual battle will ensue. And friends, I want you to know we will face a battle in ourselves against our own sin nature. We will face a battle amongst those who claim the name of Jesus but do not submit to his lordship. We will face the battle with a lost world that thinks we're just here to be holier than thou. We will face a battle that will bring tension and it will bring trial. But friend, let me tell you, just as the Apostle James, half-brother of Jesus, writes in his letter, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds, knowing that those hardships are bringing about endurance and maturity in our lives. The church will turn heads in the world. But I want you to notice what Jesus asks. Jesus prays and he says in verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from evil. 
Church, when the influence of Jesus' followers, when the church that should never be the same has a collision course with the lost world around us, even, even the lost world amongst us, I want you to know battle will ensue. And Jesus doesn't ask that we be removed from the strife. He asks that we be protected from abandoning what is good and turning to evil. He asks that we can be protected from evil. Some of your Bibles say may, the, uh, may say the evil one. And I want you to understand what Jesus is asking there is the influence of Satan. And let me, let me tell you, friend, if you don't think Satan wants to influence a church, you're kidding yourself. Satan wants to wreck the church. Satan wants us, the church to be the same as the rest of the world and just wear a nice fancy title. But can I tell you, the church was never meant to wear a title. The church was called to raise a banner of righteousness and holiness and sanctification and hope and love. And that is done on a battlefield, a spiritual battlefield. And I want you to know that Jesus is not praying for us to be removed from the battle. He is praying for us to stand firm in our unity with him, our unity with the Father, our unity with one another. Why? Because not only does a united church turn the heads of the world, but a united church turns the hearts of the world. Look what Jesus says in verse 20. It says, I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through your word, that they may all be one, just as Father, you are in me and I am you, that they also may be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I give to them that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know you have sent me and love them just as you have loved me. Jesus says, listen, I want them to be part of the battle. I want them to be part of the strife. I want them to hold to what is good, refuse what is evil, stand united and firm because the lost world will see it and their hearts will come to know the love of God through it. The church remains, uh, as the church remains unified in Christ, the battle reveals the real Messiah who brings real hope. We cannot be unified just for the sake of unity. We must be unified around the love of Christ. Friend, I, I can't tell you how many churches I've directly been involved with, and one specifically stands out from, in my mind, that, that wanted to be unified just for unity's sake and continue to be crippled and handicapped in their growth for the Messiah because they refuse to be unified in who God is. We must not be unified just for unity's sake. We must be unified in Jesus so that Jesus is honored, that Jesus is glorified, that Jesus is lifted up. And let me tell you, friends, as the gospel say, if Christ is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. The love and the hope of Jesus are revealed to the lost world when we are united in love, when we are united in love for God, when we are united in love for each other, when we are united in love for the lost. That is the impact, that is the influence of a church and why the church should never be the same. Friends, the church should never be the same. People in the church should never be the same. We should all be changed by Christ and unified in his love, just as he says in verse 26, I made known to them your name, that personal connection. I made known to them who you are, your purpose, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. 
we are not exclusively First Baptist Church. We are not exclusively Calvary Baptist Church. Let me tell you, if we are a true church, we are exclusively His. And we belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus together. And when we are His together, we shine as a beacon of hope and love to a lost world who is desperate to see Jesus. Could it be... Could it be that my neighborhood, could it be that my town, could it be that our town has not been turned upside down for Jesus because we have been standing in the way? Could it be that people are not coming to faith in Christ by droves because we have done a poor job of being unified in Him? That we have done a poor job of finding our identity in Jesus, of finding our initiative in Jesus, finding our influence in Jesus. Jesus, could it be that God is using this moment to reconcile you and to reconcile me to himself for a glorious display of love that fuels a gospel awakening in Pahuska? Could it be that we need to get on our knees and we need to say, God, forgive me where I've been a hindrance. Forgive me where I've gotten in the way. Father, Unify me with you. Jesus, unify me with my brothers and my sisters. Jesus, use me as a display of your love and your reconciliation to the lost. Friends, hear me very clearly this morning. The church should never be the same. Let's pray. Father, I uh, just ask and pray that your word just cuts to the very heart of who we are. Father, begin to peel back the layers. Father, Father, just as, as the psalmist prays in Psalm 139, seek me and try me, know my heart. And if there is anything in me that is not of you, remove it from me and lead me in your everlasting way. Father, may we be a people who find our identity solely in you by being obedient to your word. Father, by, by, by being a people that, that glorify and exalt you. Father, may, may we be a, a people who find our initiative in being united with your mission and your purpose for your namesake. May we be a people who find, uh, who, who find unity under your sovereign will. May we be a people who are united in the transformation that you bring and that are united solely under your atoning sacrifice, knowing that there is nothing good in us, but it is you who, who makes us children of God, that we don't earn anything of our own merit. It is all from you. Father, may we be, be a church that is unified and has such an incredible, profound influence in our world that we are turning the heads of the world around us, but at the same time that heads are being turned, so are hearts. And Father, we ask and pray that you would use this opportunity where we are being tried, where we are being tested, to squeeze us so that anything of the world is, is, is wrung out and what's left is purely a unified church in you. Father, may you be glorified. May you be exalted. Father, for any of my friends who are listening to this this morning, that, that is seeing the love of Christ and seeing the desperateness 
of how Christ is wanting to further your love into their life. May they reach out and may they, may, may they get a hold of you and give their life to you this morning. Father, in all this, may you be glorified and we lift it up in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, I thank you so much for, for being a part of this word this morning. Uh, what I want to do now is, is I do just want to encourage you that uh, if you've been listening to this message and God is, is speaking to your heart, if you're a saved person, reach out to your pastor. Reach out and share with him what God is doing in your life. If you're a lost person and you're seeing the love of Christ and you're going, man, I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that in a church, but if that's what Jesus wants, if he loves us that much, I, I need to know him. I need to, to find hope in him. Reach out to myself. Reach out to Pastor Caleb. You can contact us by commenting below. You can you can directly message us through Facebook Messenger. Uh, you can call call our churches. You can call our cell phones. You can email us. Whatever it is, get in touch and just say, "I want to give my life to Christ." And friend, let me tell you, uh, you will make our week if you do that. But but friend, now ultimately, I, I want you just to take some time and reflect upon the Word of God this morning. And say, God, what do you want me to do with your word? The Bible tells us the word of God is, is never just to be taken in and stored. It's always to be taken in and, and just sunk in and take root in our lives. That we may grow and be transformed. Uh, as we close out, I wanted to uh, turn it over to Pastor Caleb uh, to give just uh, some final thoughts, final word. And uh, then we'll be dismissed for the morning. Hey, guys. What a wonderful message we just got from Pastor Justin. I'm very encouraged by it. I love this series that we're in about the church never being the same again, especially the, the heart that both of us have on this unity that's going to come from this uh, in the body of Christ and in our community, in our town. We're really looking forward to how God's going to use that in the future. We just want to, again, extend that invitation. Uh, if, you are, if you are feeling a led to to reach out to one of us feel free to do that you can do that through this this video you can do that through uh, our facebook pages uh, message us however you need to reach out we'd love to to get in contact with you to just even discuss maybe what god's dealing with in your life uh, whether that that he's calling you to receive salvation or uh, just to reach out for some prayer or for some help or some encouragement we'd love to to, to be um, there for you in that uh, process. Um, we just want to again uh, tell you, if you would share this, if you'd like this, uh, this video, it really helps to spread the word. Uh, like I said last week, it's really uh, as easy as just hitting the share button. What you're doing is you're sharing the word of God, you're sharing the gospel with your friends list, and you're reaching and impacting your circle of influence where we couldn't. Uh, if we just post this video on our pages, it goes to our friends list. But if you post it to your video, it goes to your friends list. And if they post it and so on, you're acting as just the hands and feet of Jesus sharing the word of God uh, with as many people as you possibly can. So we just encourage you to do that. Also, uh, if you would, uh, keep on our Facebook pages. Look for some more announcements coming up. There's been discussion about uh, ways that we can start to open our churches up, and uh, we're going to be in conversation about what that's going to look like. So just be uh, aware that those conversations are happening, which is, I mean, what an amazing thing to think about uh, that we're kind of coming out of this a little bit and that we are starting to look towards the future of what it means to come back together physically as the body of Christ. So look for uh, announcements on the Facebook page. Uh, look for letters maybe that we'll send out. Um, to each of our churches, and uh, just uh, be ready for some, some news concerning that. 
Um, thank you guys again so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you uh, tomorrow morning for our devotion. Uh, if you have any questions, if you need anything, feel free to call us, reach out. Uh, we look forward to seeing you this coming week. We'll see you later. Thank you again for listening to this message from Pastor Justin. Please feel free to share this message. And also, if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review our podcast. Thank you, and may Jesus bless you in his grace.